Hey team, welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm still your host, Chris Desmond. This is a podcast where we sit down and have conversations with interesting people who are doing interesting things that have taken them out of their comfort zones. We hear their story, but also we see if we can get any tips to help us get out of our comfort zones. This is episode 9 today, and I'm talking with Nick Lawrence, who's working on a project called Mindfulness for Change. Mindfulness is a bit of a buzzword at the moment, and I'm interested in figuring out just how much I'm capable of, because I'm pretty sure I hold myself back quite often. This might be consciously or unconsciously. So mindfulness is a tool that I'm currently trying to use to be more aware of the times that I am holding myself back, and to allow me to figure out how to address that. Today Nick and I talk through some of the other benefits of mindfulness, as well as why Nick believes that we should all be building our mindfulness muscles. Now, at parts, this conversation does get reasonably philosophical. Um, We don't answer any uh, of these philosophical questions in too much depth, but I think it's, uh, it's quite good that we're asking them. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. When I started this, I wasn't sure if anyone would listen in, so I'm pretty stoked to have all you guys here. We're starting to get listeners from all over the world. New Zealand, Australia, Canada, the US, Vietnam, the UK, Spain, Germany, the Netherlands, and recently Senegal. Now, I'm pretty sure that I don't know anyone in Senegal, so thanks whoever you are for tuning in. I'd love if you guys would reach out and let me know who you are and what you think. You can find the podcast on Facebook, on Instagram at uncomfortableisok, or send me an email, uncomfortableisok at gmail.com. And remember, if you enjoy the episode, like, comment, and share it out so that more people can hear it. So Nick, welcome to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. It's cool to have you here today. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, it's it's cool just to have a bit of a sit down and have a chat with you. So you're starting something up called uh, Mindfulness for Change. Like, what's what's that about? What is Mindfulness for Change? It's it's kind of something that's evolving quite a lot um, all the time. So it's but it the the basic thing comes down to the purpose which is to increase the amount of mindfulness and empathy and compassion um and translate that to into real action for humanity really so it's quite a big vision um and it's something that i'm really passionate about and makes me a little bit uncomfortable and self-conscious to talk about but is also i think really crucial for for the world and for the times that we're in um, we're increasingly just really interconnected with each other both in our societies and and across the globe as well and so without empathy and compassion and um, kind of those more humanistic values then society will it's going to really struggle I think so we need a um, we need to boost the levels of, of compassion in society so, yeah. yeah okay cool it's finding a way to do that and um yeah, whatever form that takes is kind of up to the purpose of the organisation and yeah. up to the people that are going to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And how does how does mindfulness get us those values? How is it going to improve our empathy and compassion? Yeah. So so mindfulness is a way of being in the world that's um, centered in the present moment and in the body. So you're feeling actually what's going on for you at the time and um, accepting it unconditionally and you practice the way you practice it is through meditation which is just like if you're going to practice um, kicking a soccer ball or practicing the violin or learning a language or something you need to practice to get better at it 
yeah, mindfulness meditation is all about getting better at the skill of mindfulness. And and to answer your question, like the more we are in the present moment and non-judgmentally, just observing what's going on and what happens and what we're feeling when we're interacting with people or when we're doing meaningful work or when we're doing really boring and uninspiring work, is we notice that what's actually good for us is caring about other people and being empathetic and actually building our relationships rather than all the stuff that um yeah we're, we're often sold as kind of the the dream that's going to make us happy and um you know getting a whole lot of money and material wealth and all those sort of things don't actually make us that happy um in the long run so yeah it's about connecting into what's actually going on and then as you do that just compassion seems to naturally unfold and there's some practices that go alongside mindfulness to increase the amount of compassion that we can have as well yeah and there's a lot of neuroscience behind that as well around um kind of the vagal tone which is the connection between the head and the heart and the more we can um, practice what's called loving kindness meditation which is traditionally practiced alongside mindfulness we can actually strengthen that connection between the head and the heart so that um, we experience more feelings of calm and positive emotion and love and um, yeah all those all those kind of warm fuzzies that we all like to feel yeah and and so doing that during meditation can make that more those more state those states happen more often in daily life as well okay so I've kind of yeah stumbled across this kind of method that can help increase the amount of compassion in the world without making it kind of a a moral thing it's all about like your own well-being yeah the best thing we can do for ourselves is to be compassionate as well yeah yeah Um, not just like you should be giving and you should be like yeah you got to take the shit out of it because uh, i don't think it works as well when you when you when it becomes sort of some dogmatic thing that everyone should be doing Mm. so yeah does that make sense it does uh, it does yeah. and I think mindfulness is obviously it's quite it's not secular at all it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong but kind of the the traditions of mindfulness and meditation are kind of they come from a background of Buddhism yeah you're right they do come from a background of Buddhism um, they have been secularized in the last 40 years there's been a lot of work done by um, Western scientists and psychologists and um, meditation teachers to kind of draw out some of the good parts of Buddhism but not not have it be Buddhism um, because a lot of people don't identify with Buddhism and and I mean the Dalai Lama has, himself has said like I don't want you to convert you to Buddhism like if you're a Christian or if you're Jewish or Islam then you should keep in your own traditions but I think one thing that underlies a lot of um, religious traditions or spiritual traditions or just kind of secular ways of being in the world um, are that basis of compassion and being kind kind of that golden rule so so it is a secular thing and if you had to kind of break mindfulness down and kind of describe it to someone in a in a couple of sentences how would you go about doing that like what is basically what is mindfulness yeah well well, the the way I would prefer to introduce mindfulness to people is actually to give them the experience of doing it okay Um, because I think it's it's a it's a felt thing it's a felt experience Um, so you can define it all you like but but really it's about the experience but um, if I was going to define it in one or two sentences it would be a way of being that's um, present moment, non-judgmental, rooted in the body experience with unconditional acceptance. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, and maybe what we can do is also uh, like run through a little bit of mindfulness so that mm. we can potentially experience it today and maybe the, uh, the guys listening can as well. Mm. Um, hopefully they're not driving or anything like that because that might be a... Uh, 
think a I, little bit dodgy. Don't close your eyes if you're driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What kind of drove you to be promoting mindfulness and kind of bringing mindfulness to cha- uh, mindfulness for change to uh, the New Zealand society? I think there's a number of things. Probably the the first place to start is just my own personal experience. Um, I came to mindfulness through research. There's just a whole lot of research more and more coming out every year um, on the benefits of mindfulness and there doesn't seem to be too many drawbacks. And so I was pretty convinced by that um, coming from a psychology background. Um, But then when I started actually practicing mindfulness day to day, I just found so many changes in my life when I when I started practicing I was kind of in the in the midst of a really tough time with uh, my thesis so I'm doing a my doctorate in clinical psychology and I was really struggling to find a thesis topic and I was um, I was reading you know dozens of articles every day every week um, and just kind of drowning in a whole lot of information practicing mindfulness helped to process what was actually going on for me in my life and I was it was quite a rocky relationship with my my thesis supervisor at the time and so within about three months of starting to practice mindfulness I'd written about 14,000 words on on my thesis and I'd changed my topic and submitted an ethics application um, which was approved in three weeks which is the absolute fastest time it can be approved and I was and the relationship with my supervisor had gone from a very precarious position to actually something that was really strong and building the whole time. And I I just felt way better in myself. My mood was a lot higher. I was connecting to people more and, and feeling a lot more meaning in my life. So it was pretty transformation, transformational for me. And um, I really wanted to share that with other people. Yeah, I think I think it uh, really addresses a need that we have in society. Like this. It's been... Um, yeah, the pace of life has just increased and increased over the last few decades, and now we're almost constantly just rushing around and um, have less and less time for ourselves, unless we actually intentionally carve that out for ourselves. So. Yeah, it almost seems to to be kind of a badge of honour that hey, I'm busy, I have all this stuff to do. Yeah, um, and that you're not feeling like you're productive or that you're that you're on purpose unless you you are really busy um, which is a little bit of a shame because uh, it's always nice to take a bit of Chris time or a bit of Nick time and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just kind of s- sit back and uh, basically be present and, and watch the watch the world for a little bit yeah definitely definitely and and I think one of the, the other things is we get busy with stuff that's not necessarily that important to us you know um and if we stop and take time to actually see what we're doing and the patterns that we've got ourselves into then we can um start to free ourselves up from those and you know have the strength to say no i don't like that's not actually something i'm into yeah um thank you for the offer and not not being rude about it or anything but carving out more of the life that you want to live and having more meaning in your life as well i think um that's one of the things i've noticed since i've started practicing i just have a lot more purpose behind what I'm doing and, and yeah that's that's gold yeah 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 I find that often I say yes too many times to people and uh, mm. I think if you like saying yes is obviously it's a good thing because it it gets you engaged with people and it kind of brings you out and, and makes you do things but so I think you can say yes too many times yeah to the point where you kind of just saying yes to things because that's the thing that you do um, and then you end up with all of this stuff that you kind of like well I'm alright doing this but it doesn't really fire me up it's not that exciting mm. that's that's interesting so how long have you been how long have you been practicing mindfulness for? Uh, for nearly two years now so not, okay. not really that long in the scheme of things I mean, there's a lot of people that have been practicing for a lot longer yeah yeah. Um, but I think one of the things I'm really grateful for is that I've had really high quality training so um, been lucky enough to have um, my co-supervisor for my thesis um, 
Dr. Bruno Kayun, who um, has had a lot of experience with, with mindfulness meditation. He, he trained in India for over 10 years um, doing silent retreats and then was so inspired by what he learned through his training that he wanted to bring that into the mainstream of psychology. And so sort of probably about 15 years later, here he is and he's got this, this program that he has... Um, is bringing into mainstream psychology and it's it's integrating mindfulness meditation with um, cognitive behavioral therapy okay um but the upshot of that is that he's he's trained me in in mindfulness so um kind of learned from a very good teacher and someone who's mm. very um pure to traditional mindfulness practice as well which i yeah i really value it's just um just helped me move a lot of stuff in quite a short space of time and is that just being you think more present in the moment um and being able to make these decisions and these productive decisions because you kind of understand a little bit more about what it is that you actually want rather than sort of worrying about things in the future and trying to make the decisions based on that yeah partly um one of the things mindfulness does is it helps build insight into what's actually going on in your mind because the, the mind that we meditate with is the same mind that we have in daily life right so so you'll find um as you watch the mind it just you start to see all your patterns yeah. and you're like oh wow i didn't know i did that like and then once you kind of have that awareness things just start to shift so things actually change quite a lot um but paradoxically paradoxically it's not from trying to change it's just from observing it and yeah. and not reacting to it so it's it's kind of hard to explain logically because it's there's a part of it that's not quite logical um but yeah simply observing without reacting to what's happening allows things to emerge and then if you don't react to them then they just kind of emerge and kind of get more intense and then drop away yeah and then so you'll find that um, different anxieties and things that were different situations that would have made you anxious in the past it's suddenly not making you anxious anymore and that's kind of miraculous so mm. um, that's been a big big change and yeah I used to be quite shy and I'm still probably shy in some situations but um, finding that I know a situation is just is it might bring up body sensations and it might bring up thoughts for me um, about oh this is too much or this is too hard or I'm going to go home or something um, but I know that that's just the mind and I don't have to react to it and I've trained my mind not to react so I can yeah just take it less personally and, and just brave the situation out much easier because my mind's trained to do that already yeah yeah and I think that that reaction that we have often is it's something that just kind of wants to pop to the to the forefront really isn't mm. it that mm. um something happens we react to it yeah. and then a little bit later we think oh shit i kind of i wish i'd dealt with it a little bit differently so yeah. mindfulness kind of gives you that space to kind of step back from that initial reaction and then yeah. kind of approach it with a little bit more perspective maybe yeah exactly it's that gap between stimulus and response Victor Victor Frankl wrote about that quite a lot have you are you familiar with him at all I've heard of Victor um, I haven't read much of of his stuff um, it's yeah. probably something that I, should, that I should have a little bit more of a read of yeah I read about it in um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People oh yeah yeah um, and he was a Victor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor and he, so he wrote quite extensively about yeah the death camps in Nazi Germany and the people that tended to do well in those environments those incredibly kind of hellish environments and, and the people that did well were the people that kind of had that stimulus response gap and could choose their own response they, knew, they kind of had this inner conviction that no matter what what people threw at them and what liberties were taken away in terms of you know the right to food and um, clothes and cleanliness and 
just physical freedom of being able to walk where you want and things like that they could take all of that away but um, they could never take away their right to decide for themselves whether they wanted to be hopeful or not um, and so I find that really inspiring and, and I think mindfulness is in line with that um, being mm. able to sort of see that we're actually in control of our minds um, and that we don't have to respond to the things that we might thought we just had to respond to you can't always control what what stimulus you're going to get or what action is going to happen to you but you can always control the way that you're going to respond to it and and how you how you react yeah that's right that's right with your mind with mindfulness for change you're tailoring it at younger generation the people kind of under 30 years old why why are you focusing on that that target group yeah well i'm running this mindfulness for young people um, intro series and i think um one of the reasons i'm i'm targeting young people for that is because i'm a young person myself and i have benefited a lot from this and I don't see much out there targeted mm-hmm. towards young people and a lot of the mindfulness teachers and um, things that are out there are, are quite a bit older They're not necessarily going to be able to relate to to our generation as well yeah so yeah there's kind of an opportunity and a need and I think one of the things I'm seeing in our generation is this there's a whole lot of really good stuff happening around people actually wanting jobs that are meaningful and that are going to fulfill their passions as well as you know just a paycheck we're quite passionate about um, the environment and doing things that we love and doing things that um, are for the good of everyone not just uh, making a profit kind of thing so I see that happening more and more in New Zealand and overseas as well with with the younger generations and I think mindfulness can help those sort of people and help supercharge what they're doing so they can actually be more effective at um at making change because we need to that we need to change the world like it's it's in pretty dire straits at the moment if you look at uh, the environmental crises that are going on the huge inequality we've got both within countries and um, between countries the developed world and the developing world so we need um we need to empower the change makers and i think uh, mindfulness can help to do that in a way that's really consistent with with our own well-being and what makes us well but also with uh, what's going to be good for the planet and civilization as a whole so mm. yeah yeah it's a it's an interesting point that you that you make there i think it is we're obviously in a probably in a little bit of a, a turning point in humanity at the moment about hey we're going to have to make some some tough choices Mm. at the moment um, and people a lot smarter than me are going to be making those choices but I think or I'm reasonably confident in the fact that we're going to make good choices mm. humanity is kind of over the course of time has shown that we're reasonably adaptable um, mm. and with all the all the knowledge all the technology that we have at our disposal at the moment and how quickly our knowledge is expanding Mm. i i think we're well placed to make those decisions moving forward um Mm. but i think yeah as you say that we actually need to be quite aware of what we're trying to achieve and Mm. how we're trying to achieve it which it sounds like mindfulness is going to be quite helpful with that yeah yeah, yeah they, they got pretty deep there all of a sudden, didn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I think we um, we need to have start having more of those sort of conversations. Though it's like, well, mm. okay, we've got all this technology and all this knowledge, and what are we going to do with it? Um, what direction is it leading us in? And those are questions more of the heart rather than the head, you know. Mm. Um, and I think in society, we're, we're you know we spend eighteen years in school, well, from from five to age 18 at least um developing our minds but we don't really uh, we're not so good at developing our hearts um and kind of the emotional intelligence and um and knowing what's actually going on for ourselves without that element it's going to be 
yeah, technology alone and knowledge alone is not gonna not gonna save us. We, we need to combine the best of humanity, which has always been, um, you know, incredible ingenuity um, intellectually, but also having having empathy and compassion for for everyone and for for nature as well. Yeah, yeah, mm. I, I know what you mean. And I I think when I went through school and through university that like I was pretty good at learning and I was pretty good at basically yeah sitting sitting tests and doing that kind of thing but yeah um I wasn't always the best at kind of delving into the why Mm. I was doing this Mm. um and kind of focusing more on that that kind of mental health side of things Mm. um and I think probably yeah mindfulness it sounds like if I was more aware of that at a younger age then well hopefully I still would have done well at school but I might have got a little bit more out of it um, Mm. compared to to what I did I can do a a quadratic equation with the best of them but um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah why am I actually doing this yeah I think we need to we need to ask that question a lot more. Eh? It's it's a good question to ask um, because we are, I believe, to a certain extent, stuck in the systems that are kind of set out for us. You know, we go to school and then maybe go to university or polytech or apprenticeship or whatever, and get a job and kind of work for someone else. And mm. you've got to kind of ask why? Like, why are you doing that? What's what's it doing for you and what's it doing for for the planet I think we live in a really um, really unique historical period where if you look at climate change we've got a unique chance to actually impact every future generation on the planet mm. um, and if you're mindful of that then it kind of changes the way you look at, at life I think and it's like well holy heck I was born in this time I've got a chance to make a difference and then that can provide an avenue to a whole lot of meaning in life as well. Yeah. That's what it's done for me and um, that's that's a big driver for me. It's just just recognising the, the incredible, amazing time that we live in and how important it is to seize those opportunities to for the good of of the people that are going to come and our, our future lifetimes actually as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we live, live in a pretty uh, sweet time at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we've just got so much, so much privilege. Really, we're the we're the most comfortable humanity's been in in human history, almost. You know, we've got access to all this like medicine and education and all those sort of things. So we're there's a lot to be grateful for. Mm, definitely, definitely. You raise an interesting point there with us being the most comfortable we've ever been mm. do you think maybe that we're too comfortable I think so yeah yeah um, I think yeah we, it's a really interesting question I think we kind of sit there in our comfort zones a little bit too much sometimes mm. um, and that we don't kind of challenge ourselves or push ourselves uh, outside of that at all which is unfortunate because I think obviously that's the the kind of the topic of the podcast but i think it's it's that getting out of your comfort zone that really helps you grow as an individual and helps you achieve kind of cool and exciting things really yeah yeah definitely and i found that um the more i've started to care about other people and really live my life with that kind of at the center rather than um trying to please myself all the time um the more it's challenged me to get outside of my own comfort zone Mm -hmm. and I've just found on the other side of that door there's just so much meaning and so much richness so yeah um, I think it's a yeah it's a good thing for us to to do that as you're saying basically that we can get lulled into too much comfort and become kind of domesticated humans you know living in, in society like a yeah like a house cat almost you yeah just no. kind of sit there in the sun 
just stroking your head with your paw. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not really. Uh, I don't know. That, if I'm that wasn't that. the metaphor you were going for. <laughs> yeah, um, I think um, yeah, too much comfort is actually it's actually not good for our own well-being. And our own no, happiness. no, no. I think you you can almost numb yourself with comfort as well, actually, and that yeah. Mm that you can yeah go to the shop and get all this good food or buy a couple of beers and just kind of consume and switch off and watch television and actually mm. not not deal with the shit that you need to deal with mm. Mm. yeah and months or years can go by doing that yeah yeah because yeah. it is comfortable yeah you kind of wake so up and you're like oh I wish I'd done something about that 18 months ago and I'd be in a completely different position to, to where I am at the moment. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, have you seen... Um, it's a really good TED Talk by uh, someone called Meg Kay, I think. No, I haven't. She talks Meg about um, why, 20, oh, why 30 is not the new 20. And It's disappointing. <laughs> sort of that... <clears throat> that lost decade that um, a lot of people kind of look back on and, yeah. and say like well why was what was I thinking like what was I doing mm. there was so many things I could have done um, and and didn't um, I think that's another reason for focusing on young people because we've got so much opportunity um, before we're tied down into um, kind of having kids and having a mortgage and all those sort of things that are that do tend to tie us down and, and we need mm. more stability that are grown up in uh, parentheses yeah, what, yeah. Is, what does that mean anyway but yeah kind of if you've got a dream why not chase it mm. and why wait you know uh, and comfort can be a way of just kind of forgetting that dream if you, if you ask most kids what they're going to be when they grow up they, they generally have pretty big dreams and when do we lose them that's an interesting question as well like if, if you think about like I wanted to be an astronaut or a fireman or I want to be a wizard mm. something like that mm. and then you you have these dreams and then all of a sudden one day you don't mm. how does how does that come about yeah it's another good question um I think it's 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 got something to do with that comfort and the more you stay in your comfort zone the further away your dreams get in a way mm. what do you think yeah I think so as well it's yeah we kind of sit in our our own little world and I've heard it described as the as the drift zone so that you can just kind of mm be doing the same thing over and over again and and be drifting um, mm. and not actually be on purpose with your life at all mm. and I think like going back to your, to your point about the, the decade of your 20s is that I was probably guilty of, of quite just drifting mm. through that decade mostly um, mm. and now that I'm in my 30s um a little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little bit slower. Um, but probably, hopefully not drifting quite as much as I was mm. back then. It seemed like it. Well, yeah. I like to give that sort of outward <laughs> impression of, of not drifting anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Whether or not that's that's actually happening. And I think it is, mm. um, is, is another story. But should we um, should we have a little bit of a play with some mindfulness? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do some? Do you want to teach me? <coughs> yeah. Okay. So um, come come forward in your seat and okay. and be sitting. Maybe maybe um, put a, a cushion underneath you as well. Yeah. Because um, you want to be sitting with your with your buttocks raised above your knees if, okay. if possible. Yeah. Um, and have a straight back. Yeah. Maybe a couple of cushions. Yeah. Have a straight back and a straight neck. And just closing your eyes. Mm-hmm. I try not to fall asleep. Yeah, well, well, mindfulness is about cultivating that kind of zone between um, relaxation and alertness. Yeah. Often in daily life, we're either 
like alert and stressed mm-hmm. or like relaxed and like drowsy or asleep or just yeah. blobbing out in front of the TV or mindlessly scrolling Facebook or something. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we want to kind of combine the best of both worlds of being alert and relaxed at the same yeah. time, which is kind of a foreign concept in our society a lot of the time. Mm. But they're not two words that you think go well together. Mm. Yeah. Well, you can train your mind to, to be that way though. Yeah. That's part of part of mindfulness cool. training, right? So so you yeah, keeping a straight back and a straight neck can help to maintain that alertness. Um, one of the things uh, been recommended against doing is meditating while lying down. Um, okay. Lying down can be really nice to relax, um, but mindfulness is yeah about being alert and relaxed mm-hmm. at the same time, and and relaxation kind of happens as a as a byproduct of what we're doing. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll we'll get into it. Um, just ask you to just start breathing uh, normally um, without trying to control the breath and just observing the breath coming in and out of the nostrils. So noticing how quickly the breath comes in and out, might be fast, might be slow, and paying particular attention to the area around um, the base of the nostrils, the inner walls of the nostrils, and the area just under the nose, the area of the moustache. And as you pay attention to what's happening in this small area and the breath going in and out, you might notice your brain producing thoughts. So if you notice any thoughts arise, just smilingly accept them and bring your attention calmly smilingly back to the sensations of the breath coming in and out of the nostrils. It's important not to take the struggle personally. Um, It's the mind's job to produce thoughts. We're not trying to rid our mind of thoughts. Just be aware when a thought comes up Acknowledge it and slowly bring yourself back to the sensations of the breath at the base of the nostrils. Again, just allowing yourself to breathe naturally. What we're regulating here, what we're controlling is our attention, our attentive muscles. It's not a breathing exercise, it's an intentional exercise. You might notice the breath is slightly cooler on the way in, slightly warmer on the way out. You can pay attention to temperature. I'm really trying to feel what it feels like experientially if you notice any sounds that's okay notice any thoughts you have about the sounds and just bring yourself back to the sensations at the base of the nostrils and you'd carry on like that yeah Cool. So we'll come out of that now. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I definitely uh, probably feel a little bit more focused after mm. that, which is good. And I think, yeah, a couple of things probably to take away from that is the, the one of the things he said smilingly. 
yeah which is is great because it's really hard to be tense and uptight if you actually smile yeah i've i've been playing with that for a little bit and that uh if i'm a little bit stressed i i know i just i get tense through my jaw through my shoulders through my neck mm. but if you actually smile yeah it just relaxes all those muscles yeah, it's Which pretty impressive. Cool. Yeah, to be angry and smiling. At the same yeah, time, yeah. Even if you're just smiling, even if you're just faking a smile, it uh, it works quite well, I think. Mm. Um, and one of the other things is is about that intention and uh, mm. about kind of the the thoughts that you have and that it's actually natural for those thoughts to pop up and I think probably a lot of people get put off mindfulness and mindfulness meditation because Mm. they expect to be perfect at it straight away they Mm. they think hey I need to completely empty my mind I need to be Mm. real zen and really just kind of in the zone but actually the the fact that you have thoughts that are arising through this process is a natural normal part of it and mm. that it's it's something that just occurs mm. uh, and you just incorporate that into your into your mindfulness mm. um, and I think like I've been playing with a little bit of mindfulness just kind of like guided meditation apps and things um, yeah when I first started I used to get quite frustrated that I couldn't just kind of blank mm. blank my mind that these thoughts would still pop up but actually obviously if you're just kind of being aware of these thoughts as they pop up that's quite mindful yeah as you're, as you're doing it yeah mm. I mean it, mindfulness is about being present to what is right we're not trying to change it and it's kind of ironic that um as we do that, our mind tends to settle down and quiet down mm. over time as well. Yeah. Um, so if we kept going for 10 to 15 minutes, you might have noticed that actually less thoughts are starting to pop up. Yeah. Um, and not because you're trying to have less thoughts, but just because you're paying attention and kind of not reacting to them. Yeah. And not feeding them as well. Um, yeah, our mind, our mind feeds on thoughts and our natural reaction is to to identify with the thought to think it's it comes from us that it's mm-hmm. ours it's actually just it's just a thing that happens yeah. it's a mental event um, so if we don't identify with it and just and don't have our natural reaction which is to think the thought but just mm-hmm. to kind of observe it pass by then it will pass by yeah yeah so it's quite it's quite fascinating really when you mm. stop and observe the mind I heard an interesting quote the other day actually um the don't believe everything that you think mm. yeah because our mind can come up with all sorts of nonsense mine definitely does <laughs> yeah so does so does mine <laughs> yeah um, I think, so it's it's quite freeing i think to to know that oh it's not actually necessarily true just because i'm thinking that yeah yeah, yeah. I think that kind of leads to to an interesting place, and I've got a couple of other questions for you, Nick. Um, yeah, sure. the, the first one is: Can you tell me about a time when you failed, and what did you learn from that? <coughs> yeah, um, I knew you were going to ask me this, <laughs> and I haven't prepared anything that good. Uh, good. <coughs> I don't. I don't want a prepared uh, written answer. <laughs> um. Yeah, obviously there's lots of small failures along the way and failure is just a part of life. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that comes to mind is a a relationship that went really, it was really, really good and then it wasn't. And then it got got quite bad towards the end of things and I just was not proud of how I reacted and responded and and was in in that time. And uh, yeah, put a lot of like blame and shame on myself for for doing that um for quite a number of months after it happened (coughs) and uh yeah then became quite quite aversive to to failure and so i was Mm -hmm. like just not putting myself out there and um 
yeah, I actually got really depressed about it. I was, I was in a really um, low mood for, for quite a while. Um, and kind of coming out of that, one of the one of the realizations that helped me there was a lot of things that helped me a lot of people that helped me but um one of the realizations was that failure isn't actually it's just a mental construct like we mm. we build it up to be so so much but if you try and it doesn't work then you've learned something mm. but if you never tried in the first place then that's that's really what failure is for me if you don't try yeah um because yeah if you don't if you don't start something then it's got zero chance of success if you if you try it and give it a go and it's got at least some some chance yeah yeah and so failure for me that that was a very liberating kind of realization to come to yeah like oh i can't i can't really fail if, if i've given something a go yeah and that's I think that's a cool realisation and a cool kind of concept to work with that yeah that as long as you keep trying and yeah, as long as you kind of get back up and keep moving after mm-hmm. these yeah again failures um, that they're not actually failures mm. they're just something that happens yeah no one goes through life and succeeds at every little thing they do it's kind of a myth no no even though that's what we like to portray on Facebook yeah that yeah yeah, that's one of the hard things I think about living in today's world like we just have so much you see the uh, distortion from social media yeah the doctored highlights reel of people's lives yeah Um, were you kind of comparing that to your behind the scenes uh, yeah log of events yeah yeah. or just mundane reality oh yeah took the rubbish out today yeah <laughs> yeah it was a little bit gross it juiced <laughs> on my leg yeah, yeah. didn't put I that got on rained on on my walk home <laughs> yeah didn't put that on Instagram <laughs> yeah oh nice um Nick can you can you tell me about the last thing that you did that made you uncomfortable Being here's a little bit uncomfortable and being recorded. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think going to that, that event where we met, that shameless soapbox, and kind of mixing with a whole lot of people that I didn't really know. Yeah, yeah. I th- that I th- I find those events particularly hard. Yeah. I like having um, kind of one-on-one chats with people and like, yeah, having a having a good long conversation. But those those kind of events where you kind of having small talk with a whole lot of different people that you don't really know I find those really challenging and really mm. quite quite uncomfortable at times yeah <clears throat> one of the things with that have that's changed for me with mindfulness though is I even though I recognise that things are uncomfortable I don't turn away from that anymore because I've yeah. just I've trained my mind over and over again to turn towards whatever's there whatever it is mm-hmm. and so I don't don't kind of have that judgment over over scenarios as much yeah does that make sense it's, yeah it's yeah, kind of no, like a it does. like I can recognise when something's pleasant or unpleasant but it, it doesn't make as much difference to me yeah hmm. and what's the next thing that you're going to do that is going to make you uncomfortable <clears throat> probably running the Mindfulness for Young People series which starts next week cool yep so it'll be 20 people in the room and me and uh, I'll just be kind of in my element, but also in a lot of nerves, I'd, I'd expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've had pretty good interest in it so far? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's almost sold out, actually. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, we, I just had an email with a business partner uh, yesterday, and we're going to run another course probably in, started in late June or early July. Cool. Um, because it's been so successful and and selling so it's quite exciting awesome yeah and Nick if people want to find out more about you online or more about mindfulness for change where can they go uh, yeah they can go to the website um, so www.mindfulnessforchange um, f-o-r change.co.nz 
or search us on Facebook as well, Mindfulness for Change, and it's yeah, it's pretty accessible. So um, I've, I think I've got a profile on there as well, one of those things. So um, yeah, that's that's where they can find out more. Awesome. Well, I think um, we're probably at the point where we can maybe wrap this up. But yeah, thanks, thanks heaps for coming out and uh, sitting in my lounge for today and, and yeah. having a chat and a glass of water and a croissant. And uh, it's been it's been delightful. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks very much, yeah. Chris. No worries, man. Yeah, cheers. All the best with what you're doing as well. Thank you.